I'm Joe. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to the Budget Bros Podcast. We've set out to make something different. Our goal is to reinvent the meaning of the word budget and to help you achieve a quality life without feeling like you're really giving anything up. We share our mindset, give you the tips, tricks, and techniques that we use ourselves. We do the legwork and give you the very best of everything we find. Get ready. The podcast starts right now. So this is episode three. So we've been doing this now for days. <laughs> days. Well, actually, what have you learned, Ryan? That's actually true because when you first texted me and said, hey, let's start a podcast. It's going to be super fun, easy. I didn't know that we we're going to bang out three of these in a week and then I'm going to have to be doing nonstop research. <laughs> And I like in today's I like in today's notes how you write just for the beginning uh, funny banter or what, what exactly did you write witty witty, witty banter. banter like okay just perform for me buddy <laughs> come up with something real good that's gonna be fun I'm relying on you Ryan I'm relying on you to carry the show why do you think I asked you to do this <laughs> because I'm your only friend. <laughs> Today's episode is all on tiny houses. Tell us itty bitty tiny houses us, like the the houses that you get for like a for for dolls. <laughs> Doll- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, man. So I I've been into some pretty nerdy stuff in my day. <laughs> and uh I don't know why I have a one friend that always sucks me in. He has a, a board game store online. He's able to get all of these things for cheap and he got me into a game with playing with these little miniature dudes and you set them up on a map and you move them around and you do all kinds of stuff so we were playing this game against each other and uh his wife and one of her friends comes in and she says oh that's cute you guys are playing with your dollies (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why your dollhouse made me think of that but that was a couple years ago well you know it's interesting they call them tiny homes they don't call them small homes why is that uh we will not tell you the answer to that today but tell everybody what we will discuss on today's episode well today we're going to talk about the tiny house movement and this is the first in a series of episodes that we're going to create about housing now today is all about those tiny houses and we have a great interview lined up with someone who actually got a chance to live with Ryan for an entire year in a tiny house that was 300 square feet we also want to ask answer some questions for you today You might be in the zone of buying a tiny home. You may want to make that purchase, that investment. Ryan's going to break down how much he shelled out for his tiny home and what the pros and the cons were. And stick around for the end because Ryan's going to have a money-saving tip that he has used himself to help him make a major repair on his tiny home that normally would cost over $5,000 and he got it done for 400 bucks. I can't wait. But first, we want to talk about the purchasing of a tiny home. What's involved with that and uh, how you can pay for it yourself. So first, what is the tiny house movement? Uh, This is something you might have heard of. You might have read an article, maybe seen a a television show, a YouTube show about. Now, a lot of people are choosing to live in less space. A lot of tiny houses are under 500 square feet. And if you think about that, that's a quarter of the size of an average home in America. 
So this movement, it's it's a big deal. It's picking up steam. The first time I remember hearing about it was in the last downturn. And now with the current economic climate, we're starting to hear about this a lot more. People have a lot of different reasons for choosing to move into a tiny home. Sometimes it's because they're looking to lower monthly expenses. Some people want to own, own a home without a mortgage payment. And others just want the flexibility to be able to move wherever they want. They like the idea of, of, of being a nomad of sorts. You know, I have to say, I've watched a lot of these shows, and I know you and your wife have as well. You know, you look on Netflix and you see there's multiple ones actually about building tiny homes. And they're very fascinating and very interesting. But do you feel like they're really telling the whole truth or they're giving you the whole story about a tiny home? We're going to definitely want to talk about that today and give you an answer of what we think is the right financial move. Yeah, a majority of the information and the shows out there, uh, they really put a very positive spin on this movement. Now, we want to take a different approach. We really want to take an unbiased approach. Let's look at the whole picture and try to figure out, is this something that's worth it? Now, it might be worth it for some of us. But for others, this could be a huge financial mistake. Let's look at some of the financing, some of what's involved in purchasing this tiny house. Joe, can you tell us a little more about this? Yeah, so we want to think about things in terms of dollars and cents. We have to, because at the end of the day, you could start a project on a tiny home and not be able to finish it. Or you could buy the tiny home and then not realize all the expenses that were involved in it and wish that you could go back before you started to take this endeavor. So the first thing we want to think about is just like when you buy anything in life, what's your exit strategy? Even when you buy a car, you should be thinking about what's going to happen at the end of this lease or at the end of this loan or when I want to sell this car so that you can think about the exit strategy. How much are you going to get? So what's the total cost involved? Yeah, yeah. This is very important because it seems like years ago, our parents would buy a house or, or plan on living somewhere for 30 years. But I think that our generation, we don't sit still well. We, we move around a lot more. So you, you have to realize that about yourself first. Am I somebody who likes to stay put or am I going to make a different choice in the future? Yeah, if you're going to live in the same place, I don't know if a tiny home is necessarily for you. Even if you move around a little bit, it, it might not make sense. Maybe renting is going to be the best option for you. But you know, if you think about resellability with tiny homes, you are cutting out a huge section of the market because the vast majority of people do not want to live in a tiny home. That's the fact. They're looking for a standard, you know, stick-built home in a regular neighborhood with a garage and, you know, two and a half kids, that type of thing. So we have to think about that. So uh, just know if you buy a tiny home, you may never be able to sell that tiny home. And if you did, you're probably going to get a less percentage because it is a depreciating asset. hate to say this, uh, but anything mobile on wheels is going to depreciate unless it's like a 1960s you know, <laughs> Ferrari or something like that. Uh, the next thing you need to think about, though, is how are you going to pay for this? There's a couple of different options there. The first thing and the, and the best thing that you can do is simply pay cash. Save up the money, buy the tiny home if you really want to do this, and just own it. Because if you get any type of financing, you're going to run into some hurdles. For instance, you know, these are not 
generally the types of assets that banks want to lend on. Most lenders shy away from any loan under a certain dollar amount because it doesn't fit in their quote unquote criteria. And so you have to think about that when you buy a tiny home, because if you can't get traditional mortgage financing, which is like less than 3% right now for 30 years, you're going to be paying buckets of cash. Plus the most of these loans, like for instance, you can generally get an RV loan in some cases for these they're higher interest rates and they they're shorter terms. That means your monthly payment is going to be much higher. And you don't want to go borrowing on a credit card at 0% for 18 months to buy a tiny home because that 18 months will run out and you still have to pay that back. So the best option overall definitely is to simply purchase it with cash. Save the money. Do it that way. It's the absolute best way to do it. Yeah. And that brings up uh, another issue. In the beginning, it, se- it seemed like you could get a tiny home for maybe $30,000, something like that. Living in one of those might be challenging long term. So people have opted for better, more extravagant options. And now these tiny houses are going anywhere from sixty dollars to $100,000. Which is crazy because literally, if you are going to finance, yeah. if you look at the fine print, the terms, that is the length of time that you get the any kind of loan for that, your monthly payment is going to be probably higher on a tiny home. So you have to think about that. Take that into consideration. Yeah, let's, let's say, for exa- example, you do find a good price on a tiny home. We have a example from Josh and Gloria. They previously had their home monthly expenses of $900 rent with $200 utility. So they're paying about $1,100 a month. They thought they were going to downsize and buy a tiny house. They were able to finance a tiny house for about $622 a month. But immediately uh, they ran into another hurdle. They needed something to pull their tiny house with. They got one on a chassis. So they had to buy a truck and the truck had to be big enough that could it could handle that towing capacity. So they ended up with an extra $400 a month payment. Now, if you add on the insurance to that, they already were at $1,107. Yes, $7 over what they are paying initially. So it doesn't look too bad, but then uh, not everybody has a friend that you ha- happens to have a spare lot where you're allowed to park your tiny house. They ended up having to park it at a campground spot, which cost an additional $540 a month. So at the end of the day, they were paying $1,647 a month, almost $547 more than they had been paying initially. So they thought that they were going to downsize save some money, but it ended up costing them more in the end. Now, this is certainly an, an, it's not an isolated situation. I think a lot of people are getting themselves into this situation without realizing it. And so what are some other uh, drawbacks that might occur when getting a tiny home? Because you can certainly speak from experience. You can't just park your tiny house anywhere that there's a space, even if your friend has a space in their backyard. In fact, one of our friends thought that they could do this. They were living in the Phoenix area. Their friend lived a little ways out of town and they had an extra dirt lot uh, with a sewer hookup and and electricity. So they were living there for a couple months and everything seemed to be going fine until one night at 2 a.m. they got a knock and it was two police officers who were responding to a call from the next door neighbor uh, where there was a, a loud party. So the 
the police realized that that trailer was not zoned for that area. So they told them that they had to move it, that they could no longer live there. So overnight, they were kicked out of their spot. In fact, that really ruined their entire plan. They ended up having to sell that tiny house. They, they couldn't find a better solution. So that cost them a lot of money. It may sound like we're being overly negative, but really, we really just want our listeners to know the whole picture and be able to make the best financial decision for them. And again, it could work out for some individuals. You know, a, a lot of times if you are you know, inclined to do so and you build it yourself, you can save a lot of money that way. And you can also have a shell and work on it over time and make it what you want uh, when you have the money. And so those are some also some, some things to think about. But right now we're going to actually do an interview and we're going to talk to someone who's actually lived this tiny home experience. What is it like to move from 1,800 square feet down to 300 square feet? So we'd like to welcome Lucy to the show. Lucy, welcome to the Budget Bros Podcast. Thanks. I'm very excited to be here. Now, there's something very special about you that, that maybe a lot of people know, maybe people don't know about you, is that you can actually hear a number and you can remember exactly the, the exact number, no matter how big it is. Is this correct? I don't know if, if, if it's no matter how big it is, but I can hear a big number. <laughs> so it, here in the beginning of this podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a number. I'm going to randomly type it on my keyboard here. Okay. And I'm going to tell you the number. And at the very end of the podcast, you're going to repeat that number to me. Okay. You have to limit it to 16 digits though. All right, I can do that. So I'm going to give you a credit card size number. Yes, that's all I memorize is credit card numbers. <laughs> Don't hand me your credit card. So I'm going to give you 16 digits right now. I'm just going to tell them to you. You're not allowed to write them down. I can see you, so I'll know if you're writing them down. And Ryan can attest to this. I'm going to give you those numbers. And then at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask you for that number, okay? Okay. So here, you have to remember these. How many times do I need to tell it to you? I'm looking at it because you're sharing your screen. So it's actually easier for me to remember if I'm looking at it. I'm still sharing my screen? Okay. Don't unshare. Well, I'm, so I'm going to tell you because listeners are going to be listening, not looking. Right. So yeah, go for ready? it. Ready? It's 898-795-8797-8927-509-81. Oh, it's deleted. I just watched it get deleted. <laughs> I am your witness, everybody. So uh, this used to be a fun trick that that I I remember the first one of the first times I had dinner with you. I said, hey, you want to see a cool trick? Hand me your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and she still remembers it to this day. I remember you'd, you'd actually call her or text her. And it's like, what's the number? A month later, you're like, what's the number? <laughs> the first time I realized that she could do this was we had one of those Gennaro... Uh, wireless modems that gave you just the random key and uh, one night I was like oh man my device didn't remember I gotta go get it and she's like no it's like 7Y345 whatever and she went through the whole numbers and I was like how do you know that? <laughs> That's like when we all first started getting Wi-Fi it's like oh what's your password? Oh it's capital X 9007198II4122 and you're like oh my gosh I uh like everybody had that password. 
Yeah, yeah. And then you realize that you can make your own custom one later. Well, Lucy, we want to thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Earlier in the program, we said that you actually shared a tiny home with Ryan. How was that the case? Uh, well, we divided it up and he got the smaller half. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couch. There actually was a couch in the tiny house. Now, how so. big was the closet space? Uh, actually, we did have a seven foot closet. That was one of my rules when we were looking at the the layouts. So 10 feet, ho- 10 foot home, three foot <laughs> living space, seven foot closet. <laughs> hey, right? I got my priorities right. Need room for my shoes. <laughs> now, I must say that you, uh, we know this now, you are married to Ryan. Yes. Yes. No, happily, you lived happily. in this home. What, what's that? I said she, she's happily married to Ryan. Go ahead. Continue. Hap- oh, yeah. Happily. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, uh, we want to welcome you to the studio because we want to ask you what it was like to live with Brian for over a year. Please tell us your experience living in a tiny home. Well, I've lived with him for 16 now, so I'm kind of used to him by now. But uh, in 300 square feet, it is more of a challenge. Like, you really got to like each other. You really do. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's... Really, I mean, there's two halves of the place. You could shut a door, but you can still kind of hear them through the door. So now, what's people... the what's the bathroom? See, see, what's the bathroom situation like? Because <laughs> so no, no, this it's is like actually the size the... of a bathroom. This is actually the one thing I liked about the the tiny house that we were that in. You could smell everything. No, well, that's one of my drawbacks. No, um, that the bathroom it, there was a throne room. The the toilet had its own room. Had it it had its own door, man. It wasn't it just a own, hole cut out in the. No, it had its own door. It had its own room, and it had its own window. So you open the window and you let yes. it all go out into the neighborhood, <laughs> rather than into your house. We were a huge hit with the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now, how did living in a tiny home actually improve your life? That's a long pause. Don't think that is a don't long think too pause. Hard. Yeah. Well, I didn't know you were gonna ask me this question. For me, I I actually I hate stuff. So to be able to have an excuse to just get rid of a lot of stuff uh was nice. Cause I just I don't like cleaning stuff. I don't like putting away stuff. I don't like running into stuff. I, I have to hide a lot of my stuff because sometimes I come home and I'm like, babe, where's that? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> no, you got rid of it. I know you did. It's in the bathroom. No, he yeah, he learned early on that he had to declare what things I was not allowed to throw out because I think throwing out things is my therapy. So when I when I just want to, you know, feel better about my life, I start chucking stuff. So now you went from living in did you say it was 300 square feet? It was a 300 square feet. A, yes. little, a little over 300, wasn't it? Uh it was exactly 300 with the slides out, yeah. Okay. So, okay, so you did not live in a traditional, what people consider a tiny home that was like one of these that you see that they build it out of sticks. What was, what was it that you were living in? It was, a, it was a fifth wheel. We had looked online for purchasing tiny homes and anything that, you, that we really even wanted to buy was somewhere in the sixty dollars to $80,000 range. And once we did, ran all the numbers, we realized that's not going to make any sense. So we so found- I was f- talking about 30000 earlier, that's like nothing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like lower end, uh, one room with a bathroom. It's it's really not livable. So we had a friend who told us what they had done. They had bought a nice fifth wheel because they depreciate so quickly. These things can cost $50,000 and five, six, seven, eight years later uh, be half the price. 
if not more. I think we, we ended up paying seventeen five for ours. Um, and we gutted the entire thing because for some reason, it doesn't matter what year your fifth wheel is. It doesn't matter if you just bought a 2020 fifth wheel. It was designed by your grandmother in the 1960s. <laughs> like wood paneling, the worst <laughs> color, everything in there. You walk in there and you're just like, oh, dude, I, I don't think I can... I can operate on happiness at any point in my life. <laughs> so then how much did you end up spending in order to remodel it? I think it was about three grand. You know, it, the nice thing about something that small is you literally could guilt it out in gold and it wouldn't cost you that much because it's so small. So we did some really, I, I feel like we did some really nice stuff to it. So you put, you bought it for seventeen five, and now you put in three. Now tell me about the costs to park it. And the cost for electricity and and water and things like that. So that's the hard part is um, it can be so variable depending on on what city you live in, how friendly they are to um, trailers or fifth wheels or that sort of thing. Um, You know, if you own a piece of land, then it's free. Uh, But then you got to figure out how to get water, sewer and electricity run to it. Um, so where was it at first? Like when you first bought it, where did you park it? <laughs> the first month we were parked at a 55 and older retirement <laughs> community. <laughs> it, it was the best, man. It was the best. Like all of my, at that time, all my coworkers in the barbershop would joke with me and they're like asking me like, they're like, how was shuffleboard? How, you know, how was last night, uh, not last night's dinner at four o'clock. In fact, one, a couple of them were going in together to buy me a lawn flamingo and a golf cart. I loved living in that community. It was so quiet. It was there was an amazing pool and gym. Nobody ever used. And we were in Scottsdale at the time to buy to live anywhere in Scottsdale for that price. We couldn't find it at all. Now this is interesting. You bring this up because if you ask my wife what my dream place to live in is, to live in an over fifty five community. That was really cramped. I did not like so part part of like. Living in a tiny house is having a good outdoor surrounding. So the the 55 and over, as much as, as Ryan liked, you know, the pool and everything, I didn't like how tiny the spaces were. I You were literally about three feet from the the lot edge yeah, um, so, and the person so next when to I you. Think when, sorry, I didn't interrupt, but, you know, when no. you think about people who normally live in a tiny house, I think they're thinking they're living in the middle of a field somewhere in this beautiful garden and they walk outside, you know, in their, you know, boxers or whatever, and they can just enjoy being there. (laughs) The reality is that in many cases, especially if you live in a city, what's the situation like? You're, you're cramped for space. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the ideal is like a a big field and, you know, running free. Um, But yeah, the reality in, in most places, if you, for affordability wise, you're stuck in, in an RV park, essentially. So the second place that we lived in had much bigger spaces. So I liked it a lot better. Um, I, I felt like we actually had a yard to set up, you know, like outdoor furniture or whatever. I didn't feel like we were on top of our neighbors. I didn't hear them fighting. You know what I mean? Like I, there was definitely more privacy there. So that that's definitely a factor is, is the, you know, where are you living and, and how private is it going to be? The interesting fact is uh, they're required to allow like a certain percentage of people under 65. So the problem was though it was so popular there that they only had like a month worth um, and we had to find another another place to live. I loved it there. 
I Wait, so back. you parked there for a month and you had to move it. Yeah. Yeah. So these are these are some of the realities of owning a fifth wheel or a tiny home. But to me, that was a huge plus, the mobility aspect of it, because we had we had done so many moves right before that. Um just, you know, between buying and selling and, and renting and we moved across country. We've done so many moves. I was so tired of moving by the time we got in that thing. And uh so the thought of like, oh, we gotta move again, but then I'm like, hey, I don't have to pack anything. I don't got to lift anything. I just got to make sure my dishes are packed real tight in the cabinets, rolling the slides, and off we go. <laughs> and then we're done. <laughs> like, that was it. That's a really good point. Now, when it came to uh, moving your trailer, what, what what is involved in that? So at least for the design we chose, you had to have a massive hitch that sits in the bed of the truck. If we had had to buy the truck to move... That would have cost us probably double just to have a truck to be able to move it. So you got to have a friend who's got to have the right truck, at least for that mm-hmm. that uh, type of trailer. So, yeah, that, that's something else to consider. How are you going to move it? Do you have a friend who's going to help you? Are you going to put the money into, you know, having having a, a big enough truck to move it? Um, those are all considerations. You know, there are some companies, though that we found online that will move your fifth wheel or trailer for you. And now it's a couple hundred dollars a pop, but you need to keep that in mind too. So now you moved it from the over 55, the senior community, and then you moved it to a different community. So where we parked it was, was right at the on-ramp of the freeway. So you'd hear the cars all night revving up to get on the freeway. Um, so we had to move to the back of the community. They found us a, a spot in the back, which was really nice of them, actually, to move us so quickly. Um, but that was only like two hundred bucks a month. It was it was the cheapest place you would ever find, and it, and it was really nice. We had nice neighbors. Um, the community in general was was really settled. So yeah, I I think that was the best place we we could find for two hundred bucks. So now you've moved three times since you bought this. What happened next? So then we decided, because of circumstances, that we were going to move towns. Uh, my mom wanted us to, uh, she just needed some extra support. She's getting ready to retire. Um, and she really wanted us to move onto her property. It's not huge, but it has, it had a, a 50 amp already run that my dad had run, uh, an extra sewer line that he randomly had left there. <laughs> and, and it's, it was all, my, what, what house doesn't have an extra sewer line right, hanging out yeah, in the backyard? That, welcome to my family. So yeah, it was it was already actually ready to go, like ready for us to to pull in and park it and and live there. So um, we live there for free. So now, how long did you actually live in this tiny home for? A year. So well, let's break it down because some people this happens to people they'll buy a tiny home. And they'll live in it for a certain length of time. And then what did you, you, did you sell it? We waited a little while to see what we wanted to do with it. But we did end up selling it to uh, a really nice hipster uh, Phoenix family who just loved all of the things that we did to the inside to make it not look like Granny's <laughs> mobile home. I want to get into the numbers. I want to get into how much you ended up actually paying after this whole year. But before you do that, can you please tell us what are some of the negative things that happened since you owned this home? What were some of the things that came up out of the woods that you didn't expect? Yeah, almost immediately as we were remodeling, 
the inside, we realized that one of the air conditioning units wasn't working really well. So we were hit by an immediate $1,000 plus expense that we weren't expecting. And uh, it was something that you know, living in Arizona, we had to do. Um, later on, we found out that the roof possibly had a l- little bit of a leak because these things sit out in the sun. The roofs just deteriorate, deteriorate and it's a very expensive fix. But if you stick around to the end of this episode, I'll tell you how I was able to save uh, a lot of money on fixing this roof. Something that's about $5,000, I think we ended up spending about 400 to fix. Wow. Well, we'll look forward to that. So what other negative things occurred because of living in the tiny house? Well, there's just the factor of doing all of the things that you want to do, have, being able to have people over. That can be kind of tough. You know, you, you really can, you're stuck with maybe six people total <laughs> tops. That's mm-hmm. about it. That's all you're going to get in there um, unless you have some outdoor space. And uh, if you're the kind of person like me who likes to be in the kitchen, who likes to cook, who likes to bake, you're you're going to have to scale down everything you do because the oven's, you know, half size. And so is the <laughs> refrigerator. So you find yourself going to the grocery store a lot more, um, just trying to adapt to a, a much smaller kitchen with a lot less utensils. And then you have the ever so often toilet smells and dumping of the gray water. So when you hook up to the sewer, you don't just leave the sewer connected and, and plugged in the whole time because what happens, all that sewer gas and everything will get into your house and smell horrible. So you have to leave it plugged. So every so often you have to go out there and empty the tanks. And Dump that was, poop. yeah, yeah. The poop tanks. That wasn't the best. I now in the little house that we live, it's a tiny, it's not a tiny house. It's a small house, but I don't have to empty the poo tanks anymore. <laughs> that that was a huge learning process, actually. The toilet was a major learning curve because you can't empty all the water out. Otherwise, it just like stuff builds up and it do, it smells and it, it yeah. It was a big learning process on how to figure out how to not make the whole place smell like a toilet. I know that you had a situation. You were talking earlier about your AC unit. Did anything negative come from installing the new AC unit? Yeah, after the new air conditioning unit was installed, we're not sure. Maybe something uh, was messed up on the roof. It could have been because the roof was starting to deteriorate, but we had a mold problem that we found in there. So we had to tear out some of the uh, the walls a little bit, clean that up. So that that was it didn't end up costing us that much money, but it could have because once moisture gets in there, it can totally ruin Uh, one of those recreational vehicles. Wow, that's intense. It sounds like overall you spent $17,500 on the fifth wheel, $3,000 for, um, what was $3,000 for? $3,000 was for reno. We did spend probably about $1,200 on unique furnishings, like stuff that's going to fit in there. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't fit our regular furniture in there. So there, there there was that as well. So twelve hundred. So you spent three thousand dollars to renovate it. About twelve hundred dollars for miniature furniture. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't miniature. It was a normal size sofa and and actually a normal size desk. <laughs> okay, and then you spent four hundred dollars on the roof, and a thousand dollars on a new AC unit. I don't even know why they put two AC units in a three hundred square foot place, but whatever. That's we needed it though. I I don't know why, but we really did. Just size and yeah. 
so so you definitely put a lot of money into it, and then you had the rental, obviously, of the spots you stayed in. You would have had to pay money if you didn't have friends to transport the, you know, for the four times in one year that you did transport it. So all said and done, how much money did you actually spend after selling it? Because I know you sold it. How much money did you actually spend after all was said and done? So based on the numbers that we looked at, we really only came up negative $6,700, which, you know, over the year is only, you know, 560 bucks a month, which is pretty cheap rent. But, you know, if, if we had kept it, if we'd hung on to it and kept living in it, that expense overall would have gone down quite a bit. So looking back at that year of time living 300 square feet, uh, what takeaways do you have that would really help listeners who are considering buying a tiny home? So I really enjoyed living there. I, it was fun. It was easy to clean. It took like five minutes. Um, and I liked, you know, just the the ease of having everything in, in one little space and I can move it wherever I want to. Um, but I could see where it wouldn't fit in for a lot of people's lifestyle. I think having to be ruthless about getting rid of stuff is really hard for a lot of people, you know, that they, they're really attached to things. So, you know, if, if you kept too many things, you would just find yourself on like the mobile version of a hoarder's show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so definitely that's a factor if, if you, you know, just have too much stuff and you just can't get rid of it. And I don't think that I would want to live in that with dogs or children. So I don't think that that space works for either of those things. Um, so I think it's perfect for like a couple, for two people. But beyond that, I, I think it, it, it would be just too tough. And maybe someone that wants to simplify or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you love the minimalist lifestyle, this is the place to live for sure. Yeah. So after all is said and done, and, and like we talked about, it seems like if you would have gotten financing, you would have been paying even more money. We talked about financing earlier in the show. Um, would you, if you had to do it again, or if you were going to do it again, would you finance a small, a tiny No, home? No, I, w I would never finance something like that. I mean, I don't really believe in, in taking out a loan on something that depreciates like a car. And this this is just going to depreciate. So, I, But I think if you have a small chunk of change, this would be the, the place to put it into. You know, you, you can put just a little bit of money into it, a little bit of work into it, and now you've got a place to live for really inexpensive. But if you don't have money to put down, I would get a mortgage. Yeah, our friends actually um, bought a much cheaper travel trailer and did something similar. I think they spent like $5,000 on the trailer, a couple thousand dollars to fix it up. So you don't have to have 20 grand, 20 grand to initially invest in something like this. If you're looking at downsizing, uh, it, it could be a good option for you. It just depends if you're the type of person. I think that that's the number one thing that every media needs to ask themselves. What's the smallest place I've ever lived in? And did I enjoy it? Am I a person who spends a ton of time at home or am I somebody who's very active? You really have to have the right circumstances. It's not just about saving the money because it's going to end up costing you a lot more money in the end if you realize you hate it immediately. So Lucy, living in a tiny home obviously could be a challenge for anyone. Uh, it could also be something that liberates people. But when you think about your situation, you and your husband, Ryan, living in this 300 square foot space, how did it affect you emotionally? So 
I'm not really emotional, so I, I don't know how to answer that question because it didn't really affect me emotionally per se, but... It's okay. Ryan's emotional enough for the Right. Exactly. So I, I kind of <laughs> just, you know, push him down. Um, but as far as... I, I am an introvert, so I need my my alone time, my personal space, even if he's there, I need him to just go away for a while. So um, what we did- So that's why this podcast is perfect for us. She's like, can, you go, can, you, can you go make another episode like three in one week like we did already this week? That's perfect. Um, no, so what we did, because that was important to me, was we had a TV on each end. So there's a TV in the bedroom, there's a TV in the living room, and there was a door in between. So I would make him go in the bedroom and watch his football or whatever, and we would shut the door and I would have my alone time. Um, so we considered it and we figured out a workaround for that. What about weather? I mean, you know, we think about some of the storms and things that come through Arizona and through you can imagine people who listen to this podcast all over the country because it's so popular. But um, <laughs> what types of situations could exist because of being in a tiny home? So ex- at least for when you're dealing with RV or trailer, um, extreme weathers as far as like heat or cold are something to consider because uh, not a lot of them have good insulation. So we, we actually specifically picked our our fifth wheel brand and model because it had heavier duty insulation. So that that was a factor because you know we're looking at 117 degree summers. I mean I think the first month we were in there it hit 115 117. Um, and was it cool in there? It got down to how cool could we get it? 82. 80, 82, yeah. 80, 82. We could get it, with the two ACs going, we could get it down to, like, yeah, a comfortable level. 82 is comfortable to you? Yeah, so we had some friends who didn't have <laughs> as good of a insulated unit. So it got so hot in Phoenix one day that he jumped up on the roof and he took the garden hose, since water was... A flat fee where he lived. He turned the water, <laughs> he turned the water hose, and, and just left it on over the top of his uh, trailer all day to cool it down because he couldn't get it any cooler. So, if you live in an extremely cold and extremely hot climate, you might uh, this fifth wheel trailer trick might not work for you. You might want to get the ones that are insulated better. You move from three hundred square feet to six hundred square feet. What did that feel like? A palace. <laughs> also, also, it didn't rock. There was there was always that to consider. That never stops rocking. So it it always feels like it's swaying. Yeah, you feel like you're on a boat. But I grew up on a boat, so no, not on a boat, but you know, on boats. So um, I was, I, you get kind of used to it after a while. But it is it is nice to walk around and not feel the whole house shake. So everything's said and done. Would you do this again? Yes, I would. We were just talking about this the other day, and I, I would totally have, like, I would totally do it again. All right. Well, Lucy, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. We really appreciate you taking the time and for enduring that year so that you could come on our podcast and share your experiences with yeah, us. Yeah, that's, that's why I did it, so that, you know, everyone else could benefit. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so now... As promised, it's the end of the podcast, and we would like to ask you, 
what those 16 numbers that we gave you in the very beginning were. And I have them up on my screen. You cannot see these. And so go ahead and uh, whenever you're ready, let us know what those numbers are. Mm, 8987, 9587, 9778, 9275 0981. <laughs> Woohoo! There you go. Nice job. There you go. So, as usual, you do not disappoint. <laughs> Anybody who wants to take a screenshot of the credit card and send it to budgetbrospodcast.com. I promise I'll only buy fun stuff. All right, it is now time for our money-saving tip of the week. The week, the week. <laughs> now, Ryan, you have it for us today, and you were able to use a certain product that was able to save you thousands of dollars that you think our listeners will benefit from. Tell us a little bit about the situation that you were in with your tiny home. Yeah, that was a nightmare scenario. We had already just completed the renovation on on our fifth wheel. We'd put the new air conditioning units on and everything seemed to be going right, uh, just a-okay. But then one day I came home and I noticed in the entire backside of the trailer uh, on the top left end, there was mold and what looked like water stain. And so I got up on the roof. I poured water. I tried to find where this leak was coming from forever. Uh, many hours I was out there trying to find this, this leak. Then I had two guys who did mobile RV repair come out. They spent an hour and a half on the roof trying to find this leak. Finally, they told me the only thing that we can suggest is that you put a new roof on your fifth wheel. And I thought, oh man, I, I you know, what's this going to cost me a thousand, two thousand dollars No, they told me $5,000. $5,000. I mean, that is completely crazy. I was able to replace the roof on my own house. When, mm -hmm. when we did our home extension, we were able to replace our roof for less than that. So what exactly was involved and why was it going to cost so much? Yeah. So this was a little rubber membrane that they were going to have to peel off. They're going to have to take a bunch of stuff off the roof off, peel this rubber membrane and put a new one on. And I was floored $5,000. So I was in a tough spot because I just spent, you know, over $20,000 to renovate this thing, to make this thing nice. Do I risk allowing more water damage once water gets into these units you might as well drive them off a cliff because <laughs> <laughs> they aren't worth anything uh we were fortunate that ours had metal studs inside if they had wood we would have been totally in trouble but anyway i asked the guys is there any way that i could put a product over it they have these different rubberized roof coatings that could uh, repair or, or fix this damage. They, there's one product that I see a lot. It's called Dicor uh, EDM roof coating. They have it at most RV supply stores. I asked them specifically about that one and they said, no, that one only usually works uh, if you're maintaining your roof. Once it gets to the point where it's chalky, uh, you could kind of rub your hand over it and, and it starts peeling back, you, you're, you're done. You got to re replace this whole roof. So, I did a ton of research online and I came up with an awesome solution. I can't recommend this company enough. Uh, we aren't sponsored by them. This is just uh, an experience I've had. It's EPDM roof, uh, EPDM coatings.com. 
they have a product called Liquid Roof. Now, what that actually does is create an entire, the way it dries it, the way that this product dries actually creates an entire new rubberized roof system. And if you look online, you can see a lot of pictures where uh, people's roofs have peeled back all the way just to the black rubber underneath at the point where it looks like there's no return. They put this product over there and bam, brand new roof uh, on their website. You can get a five gallon bucket of it for $400 on Amazon. Right now you can find it for $369. That's crazy. So was it actually difficult to install or to use? Yeah, there's a lot of specific instructions. They have like this activator that you pour in. And once you activate this product, you have to use it. Uh, one mistake that I made is I was using rollers and dipping the rollers into the bucket and I wasn't putting it on thick enough. So you almost want to kind of pour it in the middle and spread it out you want to put it on really thick and once it dries it's a brand new roof up there i couldn't believe the difference and that that solved my water leak issue so what about when you sold it did the person that came out look around and and see this roof and you know ask any questions about it at the time oh yeah we had a guy come out and he inspected everything he was looking at that thing for a couple hours and when he got up on the roof, he asked me, hey, did you have a brand new roof installed up here? <laughs> I said, well, sort of. <laughs> I told him about, about this product. But this is such a money-saving tip. If you have an RV, a fifth wheel, a trailer, and you have this roof issue, I can't recommend this product enough. Even uh, the customer support, you can call them up and they'll walk you through step-by-step -step how, how to uh, put this product on properly. So that's epdmcoatings.com. Sounds like a great company that is providing a service for a fraction of what you would pay when in, in regards to replacing an entire roof. So that is just a really interesting and cool way to save a lot of money if you are an RV owner. And I'd imagine you could even use this if uh, you started to have an issue. Yeah. And it took me a long time to find this online. I had to do a lot of research, watch a lot of videos. This product is not marketed very well. And I, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, this other product by Dicor is everywhere and it just doesn't work for what I needed it to. So uh, I'm really happy I found this. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing your money-saving tip of the week. We also want to thank Lucy for being the very first guest on the Budget Bros podcast. We want to let our listeners know that she'll be writing a blog every single week based on the information that we talk about during our podcast. She's got frequently asked questions. She's got additional money-saving tips. And she's got her own spin on things that I think you'll find really entertaining and really interesting. So go ahead and check that out on our website, budgetbrospodcast.com. While you're on our website, go ahead and send us a message. Let us know money-saving tips that you've found, as well as things you like or maybe don't like about our podcast. Our podcasts drop every Monday. Our next episode is all about Costco. You're going to want to listen to that one. That's it for episode three. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in seven days. Take care. Oh.